Well, as we uh, take a look at, at another, another section of Acts chapter of Acts where we see again um, God at work, and where we also see that uh, that God is continually using others, uh, not always the exact same players. Like we've always, we've we've been we've been seeing the last few weeks, last months, we've been seeing that He's used a lot of. Peter and John, right? We've watched them as they as they go and as they lay hands and they and they talk and as they as they as they witness and as they see God working and how God continue to work on work on them. But here we see that some of the names that we've heard before are being brought back in again at the certain time for a certain reason. And as we take a look at uh, last week, we saw Peter uh, having, uh, going and seeing the power of God working. We, we saw that, that, that he had to explain himself to the others, uh, why he would go to sinners. Well, here we see this week, we see that they're going to go back and kind of, kind of catch us up on what the original mission statement was, uh, which was what? Anyone, anyone, when you look at the original church, what, if you would say this is the verse or this is the mission that they were on, would you say it would be Acts 2.42? Right? Let's, let's turn. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 2.42 and let's read those, that one verse that tells us what the mission was. Acts 2, 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, and I'm going to continue with the next few verses, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who were believing were together and had all things in common. So now let's jump back over to uh, Acts chapter 11 and take a look at what's happening here is we're going to take a look at what Barnabas is doing with the converts. What Barnabas is doing is with the Christians. And we, the first thing we have to look at is in those, in those first couple verses there, 19, and 19 through 21 of chapter 11, we see the, a church begins to flourish in the city of Antioch. So let's take a look at those again. I know Dan read it, but I'm going to read it again just to, just to get us back on track. So, so, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia in Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. 
And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So we're seeing here that this church, this church in Antioch, uh, those that have been spread out because they saw that what would happen to Stephen, and even though they believed, they were scared and they ran. They were coming together. When we are having an issue, when we are having uh, a trial, uh, in our world today, are we having any trials? I think we're having a lot of trials. You know, this, this, whole, this whole week, you know, we're, we've, we've been discussing this coronavirus, and we've been discussing all the, the issues with that, but we're also seeing an issue with the, uh, the tornado in, in, in Nashville, uh, with what happened there and the devastation that was going on there. Uh, there are many, many bad things that are happened. That have, that have happened. And when we, uh, we, we, we look at, at, at some of these things that are going on in our world, we wonder, you know, where is God in this? And that's just some of the major news flashes, you know. But think about in your own personal life. Think about things that are going on right now inside your four walls. Maybe just inside your mind the issues the trials the problems that we're having a hard time keeping our eyes on the cross and here we see there have been issues going on there are things going on throughout the world and they are scared in Antioch Christianity was launched in its worldwide mission and the believers aggressively preached the, to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. But we have to also remember, let's go back when we are going through the book of Acts, going through the book of Acts, we see things like Philip going to the, going to the, the Samaritans. But the Samaritans were there, were actually part Jew. Uh, Peter had preached to Cornelius, as we see there, but he was already much more of a worshiper, uh, and he believed in God. But I'm saying here that believers who were scattered after the outbreak of persecution continued to spread the good news. The seed of this ministries or this missionary work had been sown after Stephen's death. And at that time, the believers began acting and sharing the good news with everybody. I think we've kind of hit that point the last couple of weeks that the, that the gospel is for everybody. I think I hit that hard enough. But what we're seeing here now is that even in persecution, even in hard times, it still continued. But we also see here that God's plan is continuing. And so let's look at some of the associates in Antioch, some of the people that were part of this group. We see that in 22 through 30, where we were, I'm going to read it through again just so that we're all, we're all focused on it. Uh, the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Do you remember who Barnabas is? The encourager, okay. 
Okay, uh, then when, when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them with all result, with all resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. Remember who Saul was, right? Okay, uh, eventually will be, will, will, be, will be Paul. But he went to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers of the disciples who were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, at this time, some prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that, that, that there would certainly be a great famine over all the world. And he took place, and this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the, in the proportion that any of the disciples had meant, had means, each of them determined to send a contribution to the relief of the brethren living for Judea. And this they did, sending it in a charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. We see here that, that without exception, Jerusalem, uh, Antioch, and Syria played a very important role in the early church than in the other city. After Rome and Alexandria, guess what? Antioch was the biggest city there. It was the metropolis. Okay, and what we're seeing here is that that there's stuff going on, and there are, and God has to continually work through others to bring the good news. Well, here we see that that He is actually uh, preparing many to go to work to continue the spreading of the good news. In Antioch, the first Gentile church was found. And there the believers were first called Christians. They were the first ones that people actually called Christians. Paul used the city as his home base during his ministry journey. And Antioch was the center of the worship for several pagan cults. And promoted a lot of other things that were pleasing to the world but were not pleasing to the Lord. It was a vital commercial center. It was a gateway to the Eastern world. Antioch was the city both to Rome and to the, to the early church. And now Barnabas comes, the encourager. You know, we sat here and we just talked with, with the, young, the young kids and, 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 and from 1 Thessalonians where it says we, should, we need to encourage and build one another up. That is exactly what Barnabas did. It's funny how they're now all of a sudden when things are going awry or things are not going well, Barnabas is introduced back into the scene, isn't it? Things have been going like this for a while, but all of a sudden now, things have been going rough. And in this tiny little, or not tiny, in this metropolis in Antioch, the first church has started, and God knows exactly that the, they're going to need a little bit of help. 
So he brings Barnabas back on the scene. And when Barnabas enters, what does he see? What does he see? Barnabas comes in and Barnabas presents a wonderful example of how a new Christ, of, 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 of helping a new Christian. He comes alongside these people that are new to the faith, that are new to, 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 uh, to doing church. And he's there to encourage them. He demonstrated strong faith. He ministered joyfully with kindness and encouragement. And he taught new believers a further lesson about God. Barnabas, when you see new believers and think of the way to help, I'm asking you, are you a Barnabas? Because God put Barnabas in a certain place at a certain time for a certain reason. I remember when, when uh, we we're, were in seminary <clears throat> and uh, they had given me the opportunity to go to a church plant and in, in Hastings. You've heard me talk about it a few, a, few, a few different times. And I think I need more encouragement than anyone else because of the fact that it was a very hard job to go with uh, five people on Sunday morning, here, make a church. Well, I can't make a church. Only God can. And so, but to going through, and, and eventually it grew. But the thing was, was I remember the first Sunday that we got together, and we, you know, we we had Wednesday nights and Thursday nights, and we were spending time together, and we're eating together and doing that stuff. And then they said, "Well, let's start a church service on Sunday morning." Okay, let's do it, and we started. And I remember uh, they gave me a hard time because I said, we're going to go practice church. What church looks like. And we went through the whole how a service was being done. And being a learner, of course, being a, a, a student, I was still learning myself. But there was a person, there was another pastor. His name was Pastor Parrish. Parrish Pache was his name. And uh, he, was, he was the cool pastor in town. He was the one that he showed up with his fancy sports car, and his license plate was rev v v v v v is awesome. I'm like, boy, you're cool. You know, and he had the cool hair and everything else. And he comes up and he goes, come here. And I went over and I, he goes, why don't you and I go for coffee? Okay, okay. So I we went down there for coffee, and uh, I got to drive the whole missions van, and I love that, you know, it was free, and so I'm showing up, and he shows up in his little sports car and pulls up, and I'm like, okay. He brings me inside, and he sits down, and he goes, how, how are you doing? I said, I'm all right. I said, I'm a little discouraged, but I know that God's, God's telling me to do this. And for the next hour and a half, he sat there and encouraged me. Let me help you. Let me hold your hand as you walk through this door, these doors. What can I do to help your congregation? He was my Barnabas. He was the one that came alongside and said, I got you. Even though you really have no clue what you're doing. 
I love you, even though I've only known you for a few months. Well, that meant the world, to the point where eventually uh, they had a, a, a huge uh, auditorium-type church, and he said, why don't you come over and use one of the rooms, as, and that can be your church in there. We'll let you have it, and you can do what you want. And I said, well, I'd really like to be in the main sanctuary area. And he goes, you know, how many people are with you? I said, 15. He goes, this one sits 4,000 people. He goes, let's start here. Let's not get encouraged. Let's not get discouraged. And we did. We started there. Eventually, we did move to the bigger room. But that, that was so much of an encourager. He was not the only one, though. I think of the other, the, those others that were, that were part of it. Uh, I think of, 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 of Pastor Paul, Paul Nash, who was the home missions director. He would come alongside. But the thing he would do, he was like Barnabas also, because what he did, and we're going to go to this next point here, is that he would go out and find others to come alongside. Kind of like what Barnabas did with Saul in chapter, 20, or chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Barnabas goes off and brings Saul to Antioch from Tarsus to assist him. And they spent an entire year teaching, training. Saul had been sent home to Tarsus, <clears throat> of course, remember, for protection, after his conversion, but had caused an uproar because he had caused an uproar among the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. But he stayed there, for, and he stayed there for several years. But Barnabas brought him to help the church in Antioch. So let's just see here. Let's 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 now let's now let's look again. Let's step back and take a look at the picture. There's a new church in a very big city, with the Barnabas who was giving them the encouragement and helping them. But then he goes out and he finds Saul. Who was Saul again? He was the persecutor. He was the one that would, if, if he would have known that Antioch would have been this growing Christian metropolis, he would have tried to put an end to it, right? At one time. Well, now you have the encourager who goes out and finds the, 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 the meanest guy ever and brings him back and says, here, I'm going to encourage you even more with the guy that was trying to put you out of business. And they spent an entire year teaching, preaching, putting out their hand and saying, come to me. Let me show you how. In today's world, do we need that? I think we do. Thanks for nodding your head, Aaron. Because I think we do. We need that encouragement to be able to continue the fight. You know, I, 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 I think of, of, of the whole thing with, with Saul coming into the, the picture. We see that this young church at Antioch was, was, was curiously mixed, a, a curious mixture of Jews who spoke Greek and Aramaic and Gentiles. And it had significant that this first place was called the first Christians. And now they're being taught and trained by Barnabas and Saul. They stayed there for a full year, like I said, teaching the new believers. And you know what? They could have left. 
They could have left for other cities, but they saw the importance of follow-up and training. I'm asking you something right now. Have you stepped out and trained somebody or been part of the growth of another Christian? I'm thinking you have. Because if you're here, what you're doing here is you're being trained, prepared to take it to the streets. The next step now is to reach out and to touch that other person. I was talking this, this morning about, uh, about an issue that's going on with uh, some young people. And when, I, when, I, when, when, when we were talking, the first thing I thought of was this is a teachable moment. A time to share a little bit of knowledge, but also to encourage that it's okay to open your mouth. You know I talk about my family a lot, and I love them to death. I pour myself into them so much, and hopefully you think I pour myself into you also, but these three right here, I'm so excited that I have a little girl and a grown man. I can't call him a little boy anymore because he could beat me up. But that God has called me to take what he's taught me and deliver it to them. As your pastor, he's done the same thing. He's done that same thing where he has said, Luke, I need you to go all those things that you have been through in your entire life. I need you to take those and to deliver them and to allow them to be used. Even the ugly ones. Because we all know we have those ugly stories, right? I remember my, when my dad was here. He, uh, you know, he, he listens to my sermons. By the way, hi dad, love you. But my dad listens to him and he says, you know, I love the way you preach. He goes, because you preach from your heart. And he goes, I love that about you. He goes, but here's one thing I don't like. And I'm like, oh, great. This was the when we were here and, we went and he waited until everybody was gone. And he goes, why don't I drive home with you, Luke? I'm like, don't want to, Dad. And he says, here's the thing that I don't like. You're too vulnerable. You, you, you are too transparent, and you open yourself up too much. And I know you heard that, and I know he'll probably call me and say, would you leave my name out <laughs> your mouth? But the thing is, the reason I'm telling you this is because that was an encourager to me. I'm not my dad. My dad's not me. Praise the Lord. But the thing is, is that God has put in my heart to share my failures, my falls, my shortcomings. I'm going to share with you my wins too because I love my wins. But one thing I do know is that God uses every situation to build his church. Saul eventually was going to be Paul. Guess what he did? He brought all the things that he did wrong 
and he brought him to this young church in Antioch and said, Here. 1 Timothy chapter 1, remember it? But I was, I found mercy because of my ignorance. God put me into service, right? Barnabas called Saul, who then called the next, the, the, the prophet, the prophet Agabus, who was a prophet, who, who came, and, and this is kind of the, I don't want to call it the meat, but he came and he was a prophet who shared with them there's something bad about to happen. God's plan was in play because of the fact he knew that this was coming. And so he sent Barnabas to encourage, Saul to help teach, and then Agabus to tell him there's a famine coming. There's even more trials on the horizon. And he called them to action. What's this about? This is about God being in control of everything. God being in control of even the hardest time. He knows not just what happened in the past, what's happening right now, but he knows what's going to happen in the future, and he calls you and me right now to obey, trust and obey. And he puts people in place for that very reason. So what happens? Agabus says, there's a famine coming. So they started to immediately prepare. Do you see what I'm saying here? God is in control. And I know that we get scared and nervous about many, many things. But what I'm telling you and what I'm going to continue to preach to you is that God is in control. He wants to share with you His grace, mercy, and love. He does it through His Word, the basic, most basic textbook in the world, right? Basic instruction before leaving earth. He then goes ahead and says, I'm going to continue to feed you and to give you the forgiveness of sins through the body and blood, but also through baptism. I have a special plan for each one of you. And I'm going to continue with it until the day that I bring you home. What's this 19 through 30 about? Trusting. Trusting in God. Allowing Him to be able to under, allow Him into your world and not put Him, like we've talked about before, put Him in your toolbox for when you need that tool. But He wants to be with you at all times. And He's going to send those Barnabases. He's going to send those Saul's. He's going to send those that are going to continue to strengthen you and to prepare you for what he has. That's what Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 30 is about. Let's pray. Father God, Father God, I love you. Lord, I'm 
I'm sorry for when I get in the way. But I'm asking you, Lord, that you would continually train me and train us to be an encourager, to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And Lord, I'm asking that right now in the middle, in, in the middle of this time right now, as people are sitting here talking to you with different things on their mind, Lord, I'm asking that you would touch each one of them in a very special way. Allow them to understand that you have a plan for them, that you have a plan for this church, you have a plan for this country, you have a plan for this world. And Lord, I'm also asking that you would allow us to look to you first and not to anything else. Lord, I love you. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.